We're going to be reading from the book of St. Matthew, and we will read from the 22nd chapter, and we will begin reading the 34th through the 40th verses. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, period. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Verse 37. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like, like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Father, add your blessings to the reading of your word. We ask, dear God, that you not only speak it to our ears, but speak it to our hearts. In Christ's name we humbly pray. Amen. Well, in about four months, in about four months, we've come full circle. Notice, if you will, the introduction on your outline. If you were to be to boil the Christian life down into one word, what would that word be? At the risk of being too simplistic, I submit that that word would be relationships. When Jesus was asked the most important commandment, he talked about one's relationship with God the Father he poignantly indicated that one's relationship with his fellow man is a close second. It is a safe assumption that then that relationships are the core, at the core of Christian living. And as most of you know, we have been on relationships for the last four months. First of all, we started with the relationship with God. I wonder if I would ask you on a scale from 1 to 10, how would you measure your relationship with God today? What kind of relationship do you have with God? Would you be like Adam and Eve that would be hiding behind a tree of disobedience? They ran and hid from the very presence of God. And of course, God restored the relationship and he restores our relationship through and by Jesus Christ. You know, I, I, I think of these two commandments, and uh, as I think about these two-pronged responses of Jesus, how it covers the, these two commandments, first of all, our love for God focuses on the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments, have no other gods, make no idols, do not take the Lord's name in vain, and observe the Sabbath. So loving God covers those four first of the Ten Commandments. And then loving others. It focuses on your neighbor. Honor your father and mother. Do not, do not commit murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. And certainly do not covet. So these two commandments cover all the Ten Commandments of the Old Testament. And under these commandments, I believe it covers all the commandments, the many, many commandments that we have in the Old Testament. I, uh, as I was thinking about this particular subject, our relationship, 
I thought about the priorities of our relationship. First of all, we have a relationship with God. Second of all, we have a relationship with our family. Thirdly, we have a relationship with the church. And then we have a relationship with the world. And we have covered those four commandments, or those four relationships, and we have certainly looked at the levels of these relationships. Let me ask you again, how about your relationship with God? How about your relationship with your family, your husband, your wife, your children, mom and dad? What kind of relationship do you have with your family? Think about that. Where are you at with your relationship with the family? And then where are you at with your relationship with the church? It is important not only to have a relationship with the church, the worldwide church or the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it's important to have a good relationship with the local body of believers. It's very, very important. What about your relationship with God? What about your relationship with your family? What about your relationship with the church? And then number four, how about your relationship with the world? What kind of relationship do you have with the world? Do you witness to the world or are you like the world? You live like the world? Can you tell the difference between your life and the life living of the world? Uh, I trust we can. We covered those extensively over the four months and it is very important about our relationship, the priorities of our relationship. Unless the above order of priority is honored, one's life becomes out of balance and happiness eludes us. First of all, we can't have a good relationship with our family unless we have a good relationship with God. He is the one that enhances our relationship with, with the family. He is the one that enhances our relationship certainly with the church, and he gives us power and grace to live in a world that rejects and hates us as we looked at. So it's very important. Is your priority your job, or is it God? Is your priority your children, or is it God? Is your priority money, or is it God? Is your priority fame and fortune, or is it God? What kind of relationship do we have with God? And I think it's very important that we take stock today and talk about our relationship. I want to look at the problems of relationship and also how to fix broken relationships. But as I studied this sermon, I got to thinking about our relationship, my relationship with God. I received Christ when I was nine years old. I accepted him. My mother made sure that my brother and my sister and myself attended church. When I say attended church, we attended church. We went every Sunday morning. We went every Sunday night. We went every Wednesday night. And there were a lot of revivals when I grew up that we went to a lot of church services. Out of town, in town, didn't matter where it was, we went to church. But my mother made sure we went to church. And then there came a time when I needed a relationship with God first-handed. First-handed. My wife went through that with her, with her dad, and I want her to come, and I want her to tell you about a relationship. 
and that firsthand relationship. I'm here today to tell my story. I have a story to tell about my relationship, and I hope that um, my story will enhance your life and bring you to where you need to be with God. First of all, I want to talk about my family. Uh, my dad was a very godly man. He was a, a God-fearing man. He was a great intercessor. I remember as a little girl waking up the middle of the night and my dad <clears throat> interceding. And when I say interceding, I mean interceding. All over the house you could hear that voice strong coming through. He was travailing before God for the people, the church people, for the family. I mean, you could just hear it. And my mom was a very godly woman. She was a very positive woman. She raised me in a very positive atmosphere, which I every day thank God for that. So I had a strong, strong, strong relationship with, the God, with God, but a lot of it kind of stemmed from my relationship with my parents. And so I started developing um, early on the fact that I knew that I had to do something to get my relationship with God kind of apart from my relationship with my parents. So at the age of five years old, I was saved. And I'm so glad I was. <laughs> I wouldn't take anything for a life like I've had. It has been wonderful, but I know that it's all due to God. And then at the age of nine years old, I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I wouldn't take anything for that part of my life. I feel like that that's what walked me through my teenage years and all the things that come against you and from the world. I feel like that it was just really, really a helpful thing. And I can tell you this still to today, the Holy Spirit directs my life, and I am thankful for that. But you have to rely on him. You have to have that good relationship with the Holy Spirit, too. If you expect him to lead you and guide you and comfort you and be a, go along beside you, you have to have that kind of relationship with the Holy Spirit because you, he, he can work in you, but you've got to work with him for it to be prominent in your life. So at a very young age, I was saved, filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and was walking with God. I know I had that relationship. But I remember the night that my dad had a heart attack in the pulpit. He was 58 years old, and I was just a new bride. We hadn't been married for very long. I was pregnant with our first child. And my dad collapsed in the pulpit, and that night... This thought went through my mind. I'll never forget it. I guess this will be the point where I'll have the strength to develop that relationship with God for myself because I knew he was gone. And I knew I couldn't keep depending on his relationship with God to be part of my relationship with God. So I remember that night thinking that this will be the th place that will bring me to that first-hand relationship with God that I need. That transition has to take place. But I want to say to you parents, you know, if, if you're going to have a child to develop that strong relationship with God, you've got to uh, live it. I think the hardest thing in the world for young people is to be in a family that talks about God, that talks about religion, that talks about salvation, and don't live it. 
They're just hypocrites. And I think that's the hardest thing for young people to overcome as when they get ready to have their first-hand relationship with God. They need that example. They need that strong example. So I just want to encourage parents to be that strong example in your family. Be that strong example that brings the children where they know that you know God. You know, they, children know that whether you're serious with God or not. They know. And I encourage you as parents to be sure that you do that. And then as young people, when you get ready to transition into that first-hand relationship with God that has absolutely, you know, it has something to do with your family, but you need to establish that vertical one-on-one with God that's so crucially important. And I'm so glad that I was able to move to that place. It took a while. It didn't happen overnight. (laughs) It took a while to make that transition from my parents' position with God to my position with God. It took a while, but I'm so glad that God has blessed me and given me all the opportunities to serve him that he has. And I just pray for you and your family that it'll be strong and that our young people will get that firsthand relationship with God so they can be strong and move forward with God. Amen. Thank you. I just love her testimony. I just love her, you know, just anyway. I don't think there's a young man or young lady that don't go through that time. Uh, You're raised in a Christian home and a Christian family. I know Jeb Robinson of Duck Dynasty, one of the youngest of of the boys. Uh, He went through that. You know, his dad was a minister of the gospel. And he was raised in this family where his dad would take people in, vagrants and whatever. His dad was a minister of the gospel, and, and he would preach, and, and then he would take, once the people were saved, he would take them down to the river, and he baptized them. Jeb was baptized uh, at 13 years of age, but then as he got older, he, he began to question. He began to wonder, how about this God that my dad talked about and my mom talked about? How about this God that my dad preached about and, and baptized people? I, is, is all this stuff real? And I remember Gene Scott. Gene Scott was the president of, our, of the Full Gospel Fellowship and a very wealthy man. And he attended some of the most outstanding schools in America and in England. Very, very intelligent man. My wife and I knew his dad, uh, Dad Scott, and just a powerful man of God. And he raised his son and taught his son, but then his son went through this time of struggle and began to doubt, and he got away from God, but then he made a U-turn and came back to the Lord. And so Jeb Robinson, he he began to question, is all this real? Is, is going to church real? Is this God that my dad talked about, is he real? And so he got into drugs, he got into alcohol, and and he was away from God for, he says, six months he was away from God. His brother went through that time and was out of fellowship with God and uh, for two years. 
And then, as again, I don't know that there's anyone that at times, we don't go through that time when we, we say, is this real? Is this, is this God mom talked about? Is it real? And we all have to have that first-hand relationship with God. And sometimes that transition is not easy. Sometimes we go through the battle of doubt and unbelief. And the devil tells you all kind of things. But how many of you that have faced that, gone through it, know that God is real today? Amen? Would you praise God because we know that he is a real God. And we can have a relationship with him. And without a doubt, without any unbelief. Now, sometimes, again, we all struggle. It doesn't matter who we are. And we go through sickness, we go through all kind of trials and tests, and we say, God, where are you? And yet God brings us through, and we can have that kind of relationship that's enriched by the power of God. I tell new converts, read uh, the book of Romans, especially the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, you know, I think the, the Holy Spirit in Romans up to the seventh chapter is maybe mentioned once or twice. And then in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans, the Holy Spirit is mentioned 19 times. And there is no way that you and I can sustain ourselves in a daily walk with God and a relationship with God as we, as we ought to and as we want to without the Holy Spirit that Carol talked about being in our lives. Now we know when we're saved, we have the Spirit of God. But then there is that wonderful baptism of the Holy Spirit that God just really, really gives us power and strength to certainly overcome. So the priority of our relationships starts off with God. The next is the family. The next is the church. And then we go to the world. Now, let's look at some problems with relationships. If I would ask you today, are there problems in relationships? You would say, yes, there are problems. First of all, the unsolved offenses. Now, there are three things you can, you can do if you've been offended or if your relationship with a brother or sister or family member has been broken. First of all, you confront the conflict and deal with it. Second of all, you can ignore it and just pretend it's not there. And thirdly, you can insist on your right and refuse to solve the relationship, and much damage is done when that happens. The Bible tells us, and I love this, the Bible tells us how to deal with our relationship with God, of course. It tells us how to deal with our relationships with our, with our brothers and sisters, and it certainly tells us how to deal with our relationship with the world. So there, there, there are the unsolved offenses, then there is the unforgiveness that we harbor in our heart the unforgiveness. That we let it stay there until it becomes bitterness and it creates all kind of problems when we fail to forgive. And I'll deal with a little, little bit of that later. And then there is the problem with the uncontrolled tongue 
anger and gossip. We get angry with our wife. We get angry with our husband. We get angry with our parents or children. We get angry with brothers and sisters. And we say things that we should not have said. I was watching Andy Griffith yesterday, and Ellie, he and Ellie was on a picnic, and, and she was going to run for city council, and he thought that was the silliest thing ever. And so in a conversation, he said, I just think that's the silliest thing, and that made her mad. And he said, oh, did that, did that bad word slip out? I'm so sorry. Here, I'll take, take, he takes it and puts it back in, and he, he takes that word silly back in. Have we ever talked to our wives or a husband and family member and that bad word or a bad word slips out and we try to, it's already done. I mean, we've already said it. And uh, we need to be careful how we talk. We need to be careful about getting angry. We need to deal with our anger. Anger will destroy a relationship. Anger almost destroyed my marriage. Because I allowed, I allowed anger to rule my life. Does it rule my life now? No. Do I get angry? Yes. But it does not have to rule our lives. James 3 and 5 says, and this is amplified, in the same sense the tongue is a small part of the body. And yet it boasts of great things. See by comparison how great a forest it set on fire by a small spark. Just a little bit. One word. Something said. Something done. Uh, some kind of motion that we make. God help us to have a good relationship, with our, especially with our companions or with our wife, or with our husbands. And if, 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 if your relationship has been damaged, pray and ask God to help. Ask God to give you grace. And then there's the unfulfilled expectations. We expect this, we expect that out of someone, and many times they are unrealistic expectations. And what we need to do is get our eyes off of people and not let them control what we think or what we say. Get our eyes off and understand that people are just human beings. Amen? So the problem is unresolved offenses, offenses the unforgiveness that we, we harbor, the uncontrolled tongue, there we allowed anger to fill our lives, and the unfulfilled expectation. Now let me mention something on how to fix broken relationships. Now take this to heart. Stay with me. Don't go to sleep on me. Stay awake. I know it's cloudy outside, a little dreary and rainy, but I want you to stay because this is important. Number three, fixing broken relationships. Confront without delay. Look at the 23rd and 24th verses of chapter 5 of Matthew. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember, and there remember that your brother has something against you, Verse 24, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way first. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. How important that is. And it means deal with the problem now. It means deal with the problem as soon as it arises. Even if you're praying at the altar and you said, hey, Frank or this one or that one, the other, we've, we've got division here. Let's get this worked out. Let's go get it 
worked out, and then we can solve the problem. Confront the problem, the issue, without delay. Number two, be willing to compromise. Now, there are a lot of times we don't need to compromise. We don't need to compromise God's, God's word. We certainly don't need to com compromise our walk in this world. But there are times we need to be willing to compromise. The wise man says in Proverbs, Do not go hastily to court, for what will you do in the end when your neighbor has put you to shame? Debate your case with your neighbor. Talk about it. Work it out. Do not disclose the secret to another, lest he who hears it, expose your shame. And he goes on to say, and your rep reputation be ruined. Deal with it. Deal with it. You have a neighbor? That's a problem. First of all, you pray about it. You take it to the Lord. But you deal with it. And, and the Bible says as much as possible. Sometimes these can't, things can't be worked out. But be willing to compromise. You will have to compromise with your wife or husband. You don't have to have your way all the time. I got one, one amen. Very secure husband that said that amen. Very secure husband that said that. <laughs> Listen, uh, we, we must be willing to give in and say, honey, I'm sorry. I want you to forgive me. I didn't mean that. And I ask, listen, that's hard to say, but it's important that we be willing to compromise. And then make a commitment. Paul writing to the church at, at Ephesus says in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, I love this verse. Listen at it. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Say, wow, isn't it hard? I've got to forgive someone that wrongs me, someone that's offended me as, Christ, as God forgave us through Christ. That is powerful. It is important that you and I be willing to forgive. Now, let me talk about forgiveness for just a moment. Forgiveness is so important because when you forgive you release that person and you release yourself. And you need to forgive that person. Someone says if you forgive, you forget. No, you can't forget. There have been things done to you that you'll never forget them because God gave you a mind to remember. And you remember those things. You say, well, preacher, how may I know I've forgiven a person if they've wrong me and say, I'm sorry. How do I know if you and your wife or a husband has had an argument and your, your companion comes and said, I want you to forgive me. And you say, I forgive you. How do I know I've forgiven? I'll tell you two ways that you'll know if you've forgiven her or forgiven him. Number one, you don't bring it up again. You know, you don't have another, another argument a month from now. And you say, you know what you did back then. You don't bring it up. Again. You leave it there. You bury it under the blood. You put it under the blood and say, Father, help me to keep that under the blood. And number two, you don't get angry when you think about it. 
You know, on the way to work the next morning, you think about what she did, and all of a sudden, your blood pressure goes up. And you begin to get angry. Number one, you don't bring it up again. And number two, you don't get angry when you think about it. Uh, even in the Lord's Prayer, what they say the Lord's Prayer is, forgive us our daily bread. Or, or give us, forgive us of our trespasses as what? We forgive those who trespass against us. So we're going to be forgiven, listen at me, according to how we forgive others. I'm going to be forgiven according to the way that I forgive others. Look at what we say here about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a sign of weakness. Number two, forgiveness is not dependent upon the other person's repentance. Amen? Just because she didn't say or he didn't say something, I'm going to choose. The choice is yours. I choose to forgive you. No matter. And then forgiveness is a way of life. Now there is a parable that is found in the book of St. Matthew. It is one of the greatest description on how God is teaching you and I how to have a relationship with someone else, and if there is that, if that relationship has been damaged, that we can forgive and allow the Lord to forgive us and help us in this forgiveness. Let's read it. Read it with me. It's a little lengthy, but stay with me, if you will. Matthew chapter 18. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. It's a lot of times. And then he tells this story, this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife, his children, and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Verse 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who had owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe me. Angry, expressing uh, not a Christian-like spirit. So this, his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, and they came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant. And I feel like this is the Lord saying to us, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until 
he should pay all that was due him. The last verse, verse 35. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart, from his heart, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I think this thing of unforgiveness, I think this thing of forgiveness is very important when it comes to God. I've seen so many divisions in families, in churches, in denominations, in people's lives, simply because they will not forgive. The last one is very important. Look at it. Forgiveness is not instant restoration of trust. Forgiveness is not instant restoration of trust. If that wife or husband has been unfaithful and they see their error in ways and they come and they say, Honey, I want you to forgive me. You have a choice. You can forgive them and let it rest. Does that mean you automatically begin to trust that individual again? Not necessarily. Forgiveness is a gift. Trust is earned. Understand that. Forgiveness is a gift. You forgive and you say, I give you this gift. But then it takes time. It takes effort. It takes prayer. It takes working together for us to trust again. God wants us to have a good relationship with each other. I think it is very important. You see, the problem, listen at me, and I'm closing. Listen at me. The problem is this. We try to have a good relationship with God without having the proper relationship with mankind. We harbor all kinds of feelings. We harbor all kinds of unforgiveness. And we find out we don't have a good relationship with the Lord. In fact, the writer tells us if you want your prayers to get through, if you want your prayers to be answered, you're going to have to have a good relationship with your husband or wife. In order for us to be able to pray in faith, in order for us to be able to pray and to see our prayers answered, we're going to have to have a good relationship with our wife or with our husband. As Brother Matt comes, you may be here today and you may have not found that firsthand faith. You may have been relying on your mom or your dad, or it might have been the pastor. You may have been relying on someone else's faith. Listen at me. It may be even your wife's faith. You, you, you rely on her to do the praying. You rely on him, your husband, to do the praying. Have you did established a relationship with God firsthand? Do you know without a doubt, without an, any kind of unbelief, you have the right kind of relationship with God? You say, Pastor, I don't know that I have that kind of relationship with God today. You can. All it takes is to say, Lord, forgive me. Before we came to service today, we had a powerful prayer in the prayer room. And one of the things we prayed about was that souls would be saved, lives would be changed. 
And all it takes for life to be changed. Sister Carol told you she was saved at five years old. I was saved at nine. Whether it's whatever age it is. It's when we meet that condition and we recognize, God, I, I, I need Jesus today. I need to have him as my personal savior. One of the things that we believe in here is repentance. That's something you don't hear a lot of. But that's something John the Baptist preached. And that's something that Jesus Christ came preaching. If you look at the four gospels, you'll see a lot of that that talks about repentance. And it's important today in this culture, in this time when it seems like, I'm not going to repent before God. That's too old-fashioned. I'm not going to ask God to forgive me. I'm not going to go to someone and say, I'm sorry. That's just old-fashioned stuff. That's real. That's the teachings of Jesus Christ. That's what gives us a foundation in this world today, in our culture today, in our society today, today in order for us to live the life that God wants us to live. How about your relationship? How about your relationship with God? Is it what it ought to be? You say, Pastor, I know I'm saved that the Lord would come or call today. I know I would go, but I, I just don't have the kind of relationship with God that I feel like I should have. On a scale from one to ten, one to ten, is your relationship a two? Is it a five? Is it an eight? On a scale from one to ten, what kind of relationship do you have with God? Think about it. Allow God to touch you today as we bow our heads to pray. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful this morning for the privilege and the opportunity that we have to look at relationships. God, help us to understand that we must, we, we, we must love you with all of our heart. I'm not sure I do. We must love you with all of our soul, our emotions, our affection. I, I can't say 100% that I do. We must love you with all of our mind. God help me to do that. I, I, I say that prayerfully and I, I say that warning to love you with my, all of my heart. I say that wanting to love you with all of my soul. And I certainly say that wanting to love you with all of my mind. And if I don't, forgive me this morning. Help me. And then, Father, I, I examine my relationship with my wife. I examine my relationship with my children. I examine my relationship with my brother and sister in the Lord. And Lord, as we've gone through these steps of relationships, I examine my relationship with the world. Am I too friendly with the world? Do I look a lot like the world? Do I think like the world, act like the world, live like the world? God, help me today. Help us as a church today. That we will stand out, not like a sore thumb, but we will stand out, dear God, as saved believers. Yeah. That we will live a life that is sanctified, 
Help us to understand sanctification means not only to be set apart from something, but to be set unto something. Set apart from the world, but into a good relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for the provision that you have made for us. And as we examine our lives and as we look at the word of God and as we look at our relationships and we're honest with ourselves. I want to be honest. I pray that every man, every woman, every young person in this place today under the sound of our voice would be honest with themselves. Would be open. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Reveal to us our walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray.